to Riverway Church. Uh, what a fun song that was. And uh, we want to say welcome to all of you on Christmas and say Merry Christmas to you. And uh, welcome to all those of you watching in our parent viewing room as well. That's a great option for those of you with little ones who might get fussy during the service. Rate Pastor Donuts and Coffee. You'll find that banner in that room down there where you can watch the service live with us. Well, right inside of your bulletin should be some message notes. I'd just ask you to grab those out, if you would, along with your pen, and you can do some fill-in-the-blanks and take something with you today. Well, the mess that the video just talked about, it's true, isn't it? When you look around your life, how much perfection do you see? I hope not much, right? There's not a whole lot of perfection in our lives. And I think there is something that Jesus wanted to identify with us in that mess, even though he was perfect himself. And as we explored two weeks ago, your very first fill-in, that God has been in control over everything, even human history, which is where we find this connection between our messiness and Christ's perfection. And Matthew, who wrote the very first gospel as you go through the New Testament, uh, Matthew is one of Jesus' followers. He was one of his disciples. He was on the scene and uh, was good friends with James and John, the one who even took care of Mary even unto her death. Um, Matthew begins his passage with the genealogy of Jesus Christ as if to say, I want you to know where this story came from, that it wasn't some made-up fable, but this thing really actually took place. And I want you to follow the genealogy is what he would say to us even today. As we pick this up in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Amminadab, and Minadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. That's important. We'll get back to that in a second. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, also another important figure which we'll talk about in a second. David the king begot Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Solomon begot Rehoboam, Rehoboam begot Abijah, Abijah begot Asa, Asa begot Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat begot Joram, and Joram begot Uzziah, Uzziah begot Jotham, Jotham begot Ahaz, and Ahaz begot Hezekiah. One second, one second, we're not done yet. <laughs> Hezekiah begot Manasseh, Manasseh begot Ammon, and Ammon begot Josiah, Josiah begot Jeconiah, sorry, and his brothers, about the same time, they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shealtiel. Shealtiel begot Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel begot Abiud. Abiud begot Eliakim. Eliakim begot Azor. Azor begot Zadok. Zadok begot Achim. And Achim begot Eliad. Eliad begot Eleazar. Eleazar begot Mathan. And Mathan begot Jacob. And Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were, are 14 generations. From David until the captivity in Babylon are 14 generations. And from the captivity in Babylon until the Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. Isn't it amazing how Matthew begins to set it up and says, before I even get to the story, I want you to see the genealogy. I want you to see the lineage that actually happened that brings Jesus Christ to earth. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Isn't it interesting to look at the genealogy of Jesus? But what most of us may not know is that snuck into the genealogy are a good handful of people that you may not think deserve to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. People like Tamar and Rahab, who carried part of this genealogy through prostitution. What an amazing thought. Or King David, whose life we examined this past summer, who was an adulterer and a murderer. Your next villain, you would think that if God was going to send his perfect son to earth, that he would clear the way of any mess caused by sin. Yet he didn't. Yet he didn't. I mean, it would have been very easy for Jesus to say, listen, God, if I'm going to go down to earth, this is kind of the plan. I would like a lineage of morality. I would like a lineage full of law keepers. And if you could do that for me, I'd really, really appreciate it. He could have, in fact, demanded that Mary and Joseph just appear out of thin air to avoid any judgment of their past. But he didn't. And what's interesting, it's your next villain, that he chose those people on purpose to be a part of his family tree. He chose those people on purpose to be a part of his family tree. Now, in an honest moment, looking at your own family tree, how many of you would pick the same people on purpose? How many? Okay, don't raise your hand. That would not be a good thing. Don't, don't raise your hand, right? I mean, you, you think about it, right? And how the dysfunction and the mess that sometimes is our family tree. But I believe this, your next feeling, that Jesus used his lineage to remind us of the very reason that he came. One who would save his people from their sins. I like this quote by Meyer who said, men and women, notorious for their evil character, lie in the direct line of his descent. This was permitted that he might fully represent our fallen race. Because truth be told, your next villain, that you and I are quite like Rahab and David in many ways. Our hearts sold to the highest bidder, our soul and mind looking for intimacy with what the world offers us rather than Christ. Do you ever feel that pull? Do you ever feel the temptation and the pull to put something ahead of your relationship with Christ? So I would ask, what is beckoning for your time? What is beckoning for your emotion? What is beckoning for your intimacy? What is beckoning for your affection or for a relationship with you? Is it that of the Christ? Who is it that is king over your heart? Who is it that is king over your soul? Who is it that is king over your mind. You see, all along it was God's plan to give us Jesus who would save his people from their sins. And if you think about it, and if you've accepted Christ as the leader of your life, you are his people. I am his people. We are his people. What a thought. What what an amazing realization that we belong to him. Albeit, 
broken people like Rahab and David. We are still his people. If we will accept him as our Jesus, our Savior. Because I think all of us at one time or another have maybe felt like we don't deserve to be his people. Have you ever felt that way, that you don't deserve to be his people? And because of that, it keeps us oftentimes from taking him as our Savior. We don't feel right being your people, and so we'll just step back from you being our Savior. We'll just even the playing field. We really don't deserve maybe like Rahab or maybe like David. We don't deserve your love and your grace and your acceptance, and so we shy away from that. I mean, imagine this. If, if, if we could go back in time and tell Rahab or David that the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, would come through their lineage. I mean, could you imagine their reaction? First of all, they'd probably just laugh at you and say, yeah, right, there's no way. And then upon realizing its truth, they'd probably feel ashamed. Of all I've done, and the Savior of the world is going to come through my lineage. And yet all the while, this is what God intended. To make something beautiful out of the mess. A perfect mess. To make something new out of the old. Right? I mean, anybody, I mean, if, if somebody has a half-eaten cookie and you offer them a whole new cookie, I mean, hello, I mean, what do you think they're going to do? They're going to go for the new cookie, are they not? I mean, my boys, you know, they can't get done with one treat before they're asking for another treat, right? I don't know if your kids are the same way. You know, it's kind of old. It's, it's lost its flavor, so to speak. And Jesus came to take all that was old in our life and replace it with new. But sometimes what's hard for us is that the familiarity of the old is more comforting to us than the unknown of the new. And so we stay with the old. Although we might accept Jesus as our eternal ticket to heaven, maybe for many of us, we have kept parts of our heart away from him, afraid of what he might truly make us into. And so we stay with the old because it seems much more familiar and comfortable, the uncertainty of the new. And yet this is why Jesus came. Your next feeling, Jesus came to take our old life and give us new life, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. Not because we deserve it, but because he loves us. 2 Corinthians 5.17, that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What an amazing thought that we could trade our old for the new. 
Our old way of living for a new way of living. Our old mindset for a new mindset. Our old heart for a new heart. Our old emotions for new emotions. Our old fear for new joy and new peace. There's an incredible man by the name of Saeed Abenini. And maybe you have heard of Saeed. Saeed is a former Muslim who converted to Christianity in the year 2000. And in 2002, he met and married his wife, Nagma, who is an American citizen. And in the early 2000s, the Abedinis became prominent in the house church movement in Iran at a time when the movement was tolerated by the Iranian government. And during this period, Saeed is credited with establishing about 100 house churches in 30 Iranian cities with more than 2,000 members. Can you even believe that? A hundred house churches that this man started with more than 2,000 members. Now with the election of Muhammad Ahmadinejad in 2005, however, the house church movement was subjected to a crackdown by Iranian authorities and the Abedinis moved back to the United States with their two children. Saeed's first trip back to Iran was in 2009 to visit his family who was still there. And when the government authorities discovered that he was there, they detained him and put him on trial and sentenced him to eight years behind bars in the notorious even prison known for their brutality and murder. His crime? Being a Christian and telling others about Jesus. Pastor Saeed has been in in prison since that time. And this will be his third Christmas away from his wife and children in spite of many efforts by our own government to free him. See, Pastor Saeed, over the last three years, has endured countless beatings, been ignored medical treatment. He's been on the verge of death many, many times. And just this last week, he wrote this letter to his wife. These days are very cold here. My small space beside the window is without glass, making most nights unbearable to sleep. The treatment by fellow prisoners is also quite cold and at times hostile. Some of my fellow prisoners don't like me because I'm a convert and a pastor. They look at me with shame as someone who has betrayed his former religion. The guards can't even stand the paper cross that I've made and hung next to me as a sign of my faith in anticipation of celebrating my Savior's birth. They have threatened me and forced me to remove it. This is the first Christmas that I am completely without all of my family. All of my family is presently outside of this country. These conditions have made this upcoming Christmas season very hard, cold, and shattering for me. It appears that I am alone with no one left beside me. These cold and brittle conditions have made me wonder why God chose the hardest time of the year to become flesh and why he came to earth in the weakest human condition as a baby. Why did God choose the hardest place to be born in the cold weather? Why did God choose to be born in a manger, in a stable, 
which is very cold, filthy, and unsanitary with an unpleasant smell? Why did the birth have to be in such a way that it was not only hard physically, but also socially? It must have brought much shame for Mary and her fiancé that she was pregnant before marriage in the religious society of that time. Dear sisters and brothers, the fact of the gospel is that it is not only the story of Jesus, but it is the key of how we are to live and serve like Jesus. Today, we, like him, should come out of our safe comfort zone in order to proclaim the word of life and salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and the penalty of sin that he paid on the cross and to proclaim his resurrection. We should be able to tolerate the cold, the difficulties, and the shame in order to serve God. We should be able to enter into the pain of the cold, dark world. Then we are able to give the fiery love of Christ to the cold, wintry manger of those who are spiritually dead. It might be necessary to come out of the comfort of our lives and leaving the loving embrace of our family to enter the manger of the lives of others such as it has been for me for the third consecutive Christmas. It may be that we will be called fools and traitors and face many difficulties, but we should crucify our will and wishes even more until the world hears and tastes the true meaning of Christmas. Christmas means that God came so that he would enter your hearts today and transform your lives and to replace your pain with indescribable joy. Christmas is the manifestation of the radiant brightness of the glory of God in the birth of a child named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Christmas is the day that the heat of the life-giving fire of God's love shone in the dark, cold, wintry, frozen hearts and burst forth in this deadly, wicked world. The same way that the heat from the earth's core melts the hard stones in itself and produces lava, the fiery love of God, Jesus Christ, through the Virgin Mary's womb, came to earth on Christmas to melt the hard heart of sin and wickedness of the world and removes them from our life. In the same process, the work of the Holy Spirit is a fiery rain of God's holiness and mercy that flows into our body, soul, and spirit and brings the light of Christ into us and through us, making this dark, cold, wintry world into radiant, burning brightness. He is turning our world into a world full of peace, joy, and love that is so different than the dark, cold, and wintry world that we used to live in. Hallelujah. So this Christmas, let the lava-like love of Christ enter into the depth of your heart and make you fiery, ready to pay any cost in order to bring the same lava love to the cold world around you, transforming them with the true meaning of Christmas. Soaking in the lava love of Christ. Pastor Saeed Abedini. What an amazing perspective. What would cause a man to stay in a prison like this? Instead of renouncing his faith in Jesus Christ that would simply set him free. What is it in him 
that would allow him to stay distant from his two children for over three years as he stays in a dark, cold cell, being beaten for his faith. Why not just say, I give and I renounce my faith in Jesus Christ? You know why? Because in the year 2000, Saeed experienced new life. He knows what he used to be and what Christ has saved him from something much colder and darker than his prison cell. He knew the mess that he used to be and found the God who could make something new out of the mess. And that's why Pastor Saeed will be in his prison cell while you and I open presents around a tree with the love of our family around us because he's found the true meaning of Christmas. So what about you? Maybe you've never truly allowed God in. And and I'm not talking about that you go to church. I'm not even talking about the fact that you maybe have a Bible at home. I'm not talking about the fact that maybe Christ is your plan for eternal salvation. But have you ever really fully let him in with nothing to hide no doors no rooms of your heart that are locked and off limits but every single part of your life that you have said I welcome you in I welcome you in to be Lord over it all or maybe You've sat through so many Christmas services that you've lost count. And if we were being honest, you've taken for granted the lava-like love that has changed your life. I mean, when was the last time that there was so much gratefulness inside of your soul for what God has made new in your life? that it brought tears to your eyes to think that a Savior would take us just as we are and give us new hope and new life. Oh, may we be reminded of that lava love of Christ who willingly left heaven and came to this cold, dark world so that we could find new life in him. Therefore, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Maybe you would open your heart to God this Christmas in a way that you never have before to truly experience new life to truly experience new life and to give them all that's old. Maybe there's some things that you've held on to and said, God, you could have this, but not this. God, you could have this part of my life, but not this part of my life. God, you could have this part of my heart, but not this part of my heart. This part of my mind, not this part. This part of my soul, not this part. 
but maybe coming out of your comfort zone, just like Pastor Saeed said, to be unashamed of the Savior that took our place, maybe this Christmas, you would give him all the old. And he would replace it with something new and so much better. Would you give him that place this Christmas in your life? Would you mind closing your eyes all over this room as we get ready to pray this morning? Maybe you never truly felt like you deserved it. Maybe like Rahab or David, you thought to yourself, there's no way I deserve God's love. Because of my past and because of what's gone on in my life, I just don't deserve it. And to that, Jesus would say, it's the exact reason why I came. To forgive all that and make it new. So I just want us to take 30 seconds just between you and God. And maybe you find yourself in that spot you felt undeserving. Maybe you felt unworthy and you would just open up your heart in such a real way and give him every part. Maybe you've withheld parts, but maybe this morning you give him everything. Or maybe you would ask in these 30 seconds to be reminded with a brand new vision of what Christ and his birth means for your life. That it would not simply be the 25th of December and another reason to gather family together, but that our lives would be wrecked with the realization that Jesus Christ came to make us new. 30 seconds, just you and God, let's do that right now. truly, where would we be without you? If it wasn't for this amazing plan to be born of flesh just like us, where would we be? How hopeless and peaceless our life would be. And so we say thank you for you have changed and are changing our lives. And we invite you in again, God, in a fresh way to have every part of our life. We don't want to be Christians in title only, but give us the kind of faith that Pastor Saeed has today sitting in his cell, willing to lift your name in the middle of chaos in the middle of hostility, 
unbending because of the newness that he found in you. Give us that same courage to live out our faith. That same boldness to speak life to others. And give us gratefulness. And remember and remind us of why we celebrate your birth. It's because of new life. Thank you for taking us as we are, but refusing to leave us there. Thank you that you lead us step by step to become more like you. That we'd let go of our old self and grab on tightly to the new self that you are making in us. And together we pray for Pastor Saeed. God, that even as he's in his cell today, that he would sense your presence in an unbelievable way. And that he would sense your joy and your comfort and your presence. And we thank you for the example that he has been, been to people watching around the world that he would suffer for your name's sake. So we pray that you would bring his freedom and that your perfect will would be done in and through his life. Be with his wife and his kids who will be without their husband and father this Christmas. And we thank you for the freedom that we have in this country to celebrate your birth. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen.